Hello and welcome to our service this morning, whether you are reading it at home, sharing it in a church or watching or listening online. Wherever we are and however we participate, we're one with each other and with all the saints. In themselves, what we read or hear are just words and they need to be mingled with faith in our hearts if they are to do us good encourage us and transform our lives so as we approach let's ask for the presence of the holy spirit to bring jesus near to our hearts and to make us open to his life flowing into us and through us we begin by recognizing the glory of god whom we are approaching as we share these words from psalm 104 Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendour and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations, it can never be moved. You covered it with the watery depths as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains, but at your rebuke the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains, they went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. With those words in our ears, let's listen to a Graham Kendrick song, not one of his more well-known ones, but one which captures something of the words that the psalmist was pouring out as he endeavoured to talk about the greatness of God. God is great. Amazing. Amazing 
thanksgiving blessed are you sovereign god creator of all to you be glory and praise forever you founded the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands in the fullness of time you made us in your image and in these last days you've spoken to us in your son jesus christ the word made flesh 
as we rejoice in the gift of your presence among us. Let the light of your love always shine in our hearts. Your spirit ever renew our lives and your praises ever be on our lips. Blessed be God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And a prayer of confession written by an American pastor called Scotty Smith. Heavenly Father, what a gracious God you are. Your spirit brings us to conviction and your kindness leads us to repentance. There is no other God like you, so eager to redeem, so patient with us and so full of unfailing love. We confess to binging on fear and worry rather than feasting on grace and feeding our faith. We confess to being quicker to judge and label others than to see and grieve our own sin. We confess to hoarding our brokenness and weakness rather than letting friends enter our pain, struggles and foolishness. We confess to caring more about our image and reputation than your name and glory. We confess to being quicker with irritation than forbearance and better at running to self-pity than running to you. We confess to gospel amnesia, but photographic memories when it comes to the ways people have hurt and disappointed us. Have mercy on us, Father. Have mercy on me. If you dealt with us according to our sins, we could not stand. If you repaid us for all our transgressions, we would be in debt forever. But our hope is sure for it's built on nothing less, nothing more, nothing other than the riches of the gospel. As you've forgiven us and declared us righteous in Christ, so make us more and more like Jesus in his merciful and mighty name. Amen. We follow these words of confession with a reading from the book of Job. Job has used up all the words he has, complaining bitterly about his sufferings and arguing with his friends who've tried to persuade him that all this suffering is the result of personal sin. Job's confession has been, but I haven't sinned, so why am I suffering? God's answer is a revelation of his immense power and wisdom, compared to which Job's understanding is nothing. The hymn which follows the reading picks up that theme. We'll come back to this in the sermon later on. But here's Job chapter 38, verses 1 to 7. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. 
Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. In other words, who do you think you are? We have the merest glimpse of God, but it's enough to recognise how far above us he is. This next hymn, very well known, very famous, tries to capture that idea. Immortal, invisible, God only wise. Here's our third reading from Mark chapter 10. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, came to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right 
and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism I'm baptised with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptised with the baptism I'm baptised with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I don't know about you, but I am capable of thinking, saying and doing some incredibly stupid things. Sometimes there's really no excuse other than the fact that as a scouser it's in my DNA to make witty or sarcastic comments often at the most inappropriate moments. You must have heard this advice. Before you say something, ask yourself, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? The Liverpool version is much simpler. Is it funny? Sometimes, though, our thoughtless and wrong words arise from genuine anguish or frustration. Those of us who've been parents must regret some of the ways we've spoken to our children. And hopefully our children regret some of the ways they've spoken to us. The passage we heard earlier from the book of Job is towards the end of one of the most beautiful, insightful and moving books in the Bible. Tested by Satan, Job has lost everything and he sits on a rubbish dump covered in itchy straws, scratching himself with a broken fragment of a pot. A succession of friends come to talk to him. From where, of course, we get the expression Job's comforters for people who do their best to try and cheer us up, but actually make us feel much worse. Job rails against God, cursing even the day of his birth. Either God has no concern for him at all, or he's powerless to help him in his sufferings. Whichever way, he can't rely on him. How modern is that? 3,000 years ago, people were struggling with exactly the same questions. God is not all-loving, or else he is not all-powerful. Otherwise, he would intervene to stop the suffering in the world and to stop the suffering in my life. God doesn't answer Job's questions point for point. He doesn't apologise. He doesn't explain. All he does is to bring home to Job the immense gulf between them. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? 
gird up your loins like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? We often question God. But what would we say if he began to question us? The core lesson of the book of Job really is remember who God is. Remember who you are. And don't be too quick to try and tell him how we should organise the universe. There's great advice in the book of Ecclesiastes. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. With this in mind, we have to admit that prayer is sometimes a bit of a mystery. We're encouraged to bring everything to God in prayer, to ask and receive. But clearly God is not a genie whose job is to grant us three wishes whenever we need them. However unwise those wishes might be and however they may, they may clash with his plan for our lives and those of others. We have only to look at the fervent prayer of Jesus in Gethsemane. Father, save me from this hour to realise that some requests must go unanswered. I suppose that story is a perfect illustration of the fact that prayer isn't always about changing circumstances, but about changing us and enabling us to face those circumstances with faith and with hope. The request of James and John is not a prayer as such, but it's a great lesson in how what we think we want from God can result from a really poor understanding of what's actually best for us. I have a lot of sympathy for Job, but not so much for James and John. We'll come back to Job later on, but let's focus first on these sons of Zebedee. We can understand why the other apostles responded with anger to their request. But in a perverse way, I'm quite encouraged because if they'd not said such a stupid thing, we wouldn't have the amazing lesson that Jesus drew from the incident. It gives me some hope that God might have brought some good out of the succession of idiocies that I've perpetrated throughout my life. This passage teaches crucial lessons about right and wrong ambitions and the essential graces we need to keep us on the right track. Let's look at wrong ambitions first. If you read this same story in Matthew 20, there's a slightly different slant. It's their mother who's depicted as pushing them forward. This always makes me smile. It's a stereotype of a Jewish mother and mothers everywhere. You can almost hear her saying, Well, I wanted them to be doctors or lawyers, or at least run the family business, but no, they become disciples of this Jesus. Well, at least they can become some of the top ones. Whoever was behind it and whoever actually made the request, it's clear what the underlying ambition was. First of all, to be prominent. James and John maybe saw Jesus as the new Elijah calling fire from heaven on those who stood against him and establishing a kingdom on earth 
where they would be the trusted loyalists at the top of the tree. Don't we suffer similar temptations? They were in some respects like the Pharisees whose motives were described as Jesus by Jesus as to be seen of men. Think of all those people who've had a great spiritual impact on others but who have remained unseen by the rest of us. You don't know any people like that? Exactly. They're unseen. There'll be some surprises in heaven. The people we think have done wonderful things for the kingdom may take a bit of a back seat to people that we've never heard of, never seen and never known existed. And really, they were aspiring after something that may not have been for them. We're not all fitted for particular roles in the kingdom of God. And it may be that if we did occupy those roles, it would be damaging to others and to ourselves. James and John and their mother were viewing the kingdom of God as the world does, as a hierarchy rather than as it truly is, as Paul pictured the church, a temple fitted together from unique pieces, each playing its part and without which it would be incomplete. I see James and John as being dissatisfied with what they had, a bit sour because they didn't have more. I think of Haman in the story of Esther, declaiming about his riches, his power and his status. He pulls all his family together to brag about all that he has and the special place he occupies in the kingdom and then declaring that all of this meant nothing as long as Mordecai the Jew refused to bow down to him. How many blessings do you have in your life which are soured because there's just this one thing that you don't have? Think of what James and John actually had. They were part of Jesus's team. They were even part of his inner circle. They were present at the transfiguration at, and at some of the great miracles that he performed. And we have still more. The new life granted by the resurrected Christ, the active presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the spiritual gifts and opportunities and privileges which are unique to us. Let's prove ourselves faithful in our own calling rather than hankering after someone else's. But it is okay to be ambitious in the Christian life as long as we're ambitious for the right things. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Well, here's how. Jesus makes it plain in his response to James and John. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. Jesus illustrated this on another occasion when the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest. There seems to have been a problem that they had. He put a child next to him and said that the one who welcomed a child, the least important in that society welcomed him don't just serve the powerful and the respected but serve the vulnerable and the powerless another way of putting this is 
give your life for others. Follow the example of Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Henry Newman was a very great theologian, but in his earlier life he spent years providing 24-hour, one-to-one personal care for a disabled man. What a waste of a great mind. Was it? Such servanthood is rooted in two great graces of the Christian life. Without them, it cannot become a reality in our lives. These graces are humility and obedience. Job learned humility through his experience of suffering. After the raging words he spoke, he was confronted with the reality of God. And his words were these, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Don't be forever comparing yourself with others as to prominence or status or wealth or gifts. But have the same mind as Christ, who, as it says in Philippians, being in very nature God, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Obedience isn't something that comes naturally to us. In Hebrews, we read something astonishing about Jesus. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. If Jesus needed to learn obedience, surely we do also. Let's begin as we read the Bible for ourselves by searching out what God tells us about how we should live and following where that takes us. James and John claimed that they could follow in the path of Jesus. Could, as he said, drink the cup that I drink and be baptised with the baptism that I am baptised with. They didn't know what that meant. They didn't know anything about the cross. And we don't really know what that means for our own lives. None of us can see what's coming. James was martyred in Jerusalem soon after the church began. We read about that in Acts chapter 12. John lived to old age in Ephesus. Whether it's a long and prominent ministry or a hidden or sacrificed life, through humility, obedience and servanthood, it will be beautiful to God and blessed in the kingdom. Amen. From heaven you came, helpless babe.
entered our world, your glory veiled, not to be served, but to serve, and give your life that we might live. This is our God, the servant King. He calls us now to follow Him, to bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king there in the garden of tears my heavy load he chose to bear his heart with sorrow was torn yet not my will us now to follow him, to bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king. Come see his hands and his The scars that speak of sacrifice, hands that flung stars into space, to cruel nails surrendered. This is our God, the servant us now to follow him, to bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king. So let us learn how to serve. Each other's needs to prefer For it is Christ we're serving This is our God, the servant King He calls us now to follow daily offering of worship to the servant
I came across this prayer against pride, a litany composed by a Catholic cardinal called Raphael Meri de Val, who died in 1930. And I was very struck by a lot of the things that it said. So I've taken some of it and adapted it for our prayers today. A prayer against pride. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, Jesus, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, from the desire of being loved, from the desire of being sought, from the desire of being honoured, from the desire of being praised, from the desire of being consulted, from the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humbled, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of being rebuffed, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wronged. Deliver me, Jesus. Jesus, grant me the grace to wish that others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that others may grow in the opinion of the world and I may diminish, that others may be employed and I set aside, that others may be praised and I forgotten, that others may be preferred before me in everything, that others may be more holy than I, provided I am as holy as I can be. Amen. A prayer of intercession, a kind of a, a DIY one. We lift before you those we know who need your special touch today and pray that our hearts will be turned towards them in a reflection of your loving heart. Amen. We just pause as we bring before God those who are on our heart. Let's gather our prayers together as we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. So we finish with a song of commitment as we ask God to reveal himself in our lives. 
Lord, you have my heart. Lord, you have my heart And I will search for yours Jesus, take my life and lead me on oh, Lord, you have my heart And I will search for yours Let me be to you a sacrifice And I will praise you, Lord And I will sing of love come down And as you show your face We'll see your glory here Lord, you have my heart And I will search for yours Jesus, take my life and lead me on Oh, Lord, you have my heart I will search for yours Let me be to you a sacrifice And I will praise you, Lord I will praise you And I will sing love come And now, a closing blessing written by D.L. Moody, the great American evangelist from the 19th century. It's very short, but it's very full. Fill our hearts with your grace, Lord. Fill our souls with your love. And fill our lives with your glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <laughs>